Hi again, folks. You've tuned into NTI's Japan Real Estate Property Investment Podcast. Great to have you with us today. We've got a special treat for you because with us today on the show is Natalie Adams, a former Japanese equity research professional who started a popular podcast focused on Japan's equity market. You can tune into it for free at www.gemchat, that's J-E-M for Japan Equity Market Chat, com. After having worked in Tokyo, London, and New York, Natalie returned to her native Canada to be with family and decided to move into a creative field that she's wanted to try for a long time, filmmaking. So now she's successfully combining both of her areas of interest, media and the Japanese equity market. Her current listener base is composed mainly of former clients and colleagues, as well as anyone else interested in this arena, who now have a regular and knowledgeable audio source for ideas and information about this exciting market. Natalie, thanks so much for joining us today. First, can, hey. you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where did the interest in media come from? Yeah, um, well, I got into film production when I met my husband, as uh, that was his line of work. Uh, he was working on a movie at the time, and uh, so I learned and, uh, you know, I picked up a few basic things. Uh, I researched and wrote uh, a documentary project of my own, and I also helped on a, um, a project on the Korean War uh, for veterans. Uh, his, his company then moved on to TV, and I didn't really have much involvement in that. Um, but then we were trying different things with that, and then that's how I got into podcasting. Um, I, I actually at first didn't think that I could do a podcast, but then um, I realized that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more interesting when the host doesn't speak a lot and lets the guests speak for themselves. Oh, so I'd been doing uh, equity research on my own uh, for some select clients, uh, but it was pretty slow and it wasn't very efficient. So then I just, I got the inspiration to, to combine the two uh, interests. Uh, I enjoy writing and I think I have a curious mind. So yeah, it, it was just sort of a, a very natural progression to uh, combine the two interests. Well, that's interesting. Those two interests being media and Japanese equity. How did you end up involved with, uh, with that, with Japan in the first place? Well, after graduating from McGill, uh, I went to work in Japan uh, for NEC uh, in their semiconductor division, uh, and that experience led me to uh, investment banks who were looking for um, professionals who were Japanese but had uh, experience uh, in, uh, in, in at a Japan corporate. Which is a bit unique, isn't it? Yeah, I think they found it very interesting that I had, uh, you know, that I could uh, speak to um, sort of Western corporate culture and Japanese corporate culture. So how do you combine the two? From your experience, are there any special characteristics of the Japanese equity market that differentiate it from similar markets in, in Asia or even all over the world? Yeah, I mean, it's confusing to uh, some people who think why is Japan different from the sort of the, the, the pan-Asian equity market since Japan is in Asia, but Japan is considered a developed market. That means, uh, you know, it's, it's stock market, uh, has fully matured like, uh, the U S or Europe. 
uh, whereas other Asian markets are, are consti- still considered emerging. Um, so there's a completely different risk profile. Um, and there's some way of thinking of it that Japan doesn't have the growth potential that other Asian economies have. Uh, so this is why Japan is very much a value investor's uh, playground. And so whenever, uh, whenever growth, uh, sorry, whenever there is uh, global growth, Japan uh, benefits from that. I see. And um, have you have you seen any signs of it um, being different just after the, um, let's say, the uh, global economic crisis um, ended? Then people seem to think that the market here has bottomed out. It's gone up and down a few times since then. Have you seen any signs of Japan breaking out from that? Yeah, I mean, certainly... Um Abenomics, uh, people were, were very, very excited um, about, you know, is, is this Japan's uh, real breakout, for, you know, versus just it's a, it's a play on global growth, like I, I just mentioned. Um, people were really focusing on Japan, and I think there's still, those, those hopes have not been fully dashed yet. I mean, it's 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 a you know with with the scandal and and uh, global risks um, at play now people may be a little less enthusiastic than they were a year ago uh, certainly in February when the market corrected heavily um, there was a lot of there was a lot of fear but I think overall the the, the feeling um, the optimism for Japan is is quite high Oh, interesting. We, we hear similar stuff um, here in our industry as well in real estate, mainly since Abenomics, but um, people are always seem to be wondering if this is just fluffy, feel-good stuff, is the confidence superficial, is it uh, manufactured, or is it actual change? What, what, what's, what do you feel from your experience, your gut feelings on this one? People who have looked at Japan and been involved in the Japanese market for a long time were always very cautious to get overly excited because we've seen, you know, a lot of false dawns. We've seen a lot of false, false hope, and and the market only to correct heavily because it seems, uh, like I say, when global growth takes a when it starts to go in reverse, Japan gets hit very badly, um, and sort of whatever's happening domestically is not enough to overcome those sort of global macro fears. But um, I think people think there is more to than fluffy feel-good stuff this time around, that we've seen uh, some solid um, um, improvement to corporate governance. Um, and, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's definitely – I've heard from uh, – people on my podcast that when they go and visit companies they they are seeing some some genuine results interesting so what what are popular investment strategies for people who are invested here and what why do they uh, why do you pursue them well like i said before japan is uh mainly a value investors uh playground uh there's when you compare japanese corporates Globally, I mean, they have a lot of cash. They have a lot of land on the balance sheet, uh, and there's a lot of large cap market cap, large market cap stocks. 
um, very close to their book value and they're very liquid. So this is very attractive to um, a lot of global investors who, who, who see the value in Japan and, and, and are, find that very attractive. So for those of us who aren't too savvy with equity market terms and strategies, does that mean that people are buying shares in large, stable, blue-chip type companies as opposed to more risky, potentially profitable startup type stocks? Or what does that actually mean? Well, I think, it, I mean, it really depends on the kind of investors. So there are definitely investors out there who are looking for that growth of a small startup and they're willing to take the risk of a smaller cap company with lower liquidity. Um, and then uh, there are there are companies, I mean, there are investment investors who um, can only invest in very large cap uh, liquid stocks that don't have that kind of growth small that a, a small startup would have. Um, but on the other hand, they have maybe they're trading close to book value. So so that's appealing to them. So it's really the, it really is the investment profile of I mean, it depends on the investor profile. Um, small caps uh, have done extremely well over the last year. So, you know, there's plenty of evidence that that risk appetite is coming back across the board. Um, but mainly for foreign Japanese investors, it's large liquid companies with strong balance sheets, uh, something with a proprietary technology or a unique business model. Interesting. So what is your typical investor or client or listener uh, profile? Who are the people interested in Japan and what actually drives them here as opposed to other countries? Well, I'm for my podcast. I'm I'm not targeting a particular type of listener or investor. It's just it started um, just as generally within my network of sell side and buy side professionals um, who may not get the opportunity uh, to listen to what the other side has to say or what their competitors are saying. Um, you know, in time, I hope to have longer segments on subjects with industry experts and non-professionals. Um, you know, some maybe uh, like a uh, an industry specialist or um, a government uh, official who can speak to something on the macro level. Interesting, which I guess is where our interview um, from a few weeks uh, back came in, isn't it? To give people more insights into those different industry segments. Yes, exactly. Um, with the podcast, I try to give investors insight outside of the normal research or, or due diligence. Um, you know, as an investor, it's important to analyze from as many perspectives as possible. And I find relying on equity research to uh, shape a view uh, is, is narrow-minded. And, and there are often a lot of flaws with relying on uh, sell-side sell equity research. I see. Oh. Uh, it's also getting very costly for investors uh, to engage in third-party uh, consultation due to the various government regulations. So which other industries um, do you think your listeners may want to hear more about in the future? Uh, I think construction, non-bank financial services, software developers. And how about real estate? Does that play a big role in their portfolio allocations? Do you, um, what type of equities do they buy into in these sectors? Um, is it, you mentioned developers. How about um, REITs, housing companies, anything else? Yeah, I mean, it's 
for foreign investors, uh, meaning investors outside who, who don't have a presence in Japan, um, uh, it's mainly through REITs. Um, apart, they do invest in single stocks, but um, I have to stay away from specifics. I, 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 anyway, they won't tell me specifics about what they're investing in, but they're, they're no, they're there are, there are investors who who who, in, who are interested in large cap developers like Mitsubishi Estate, um, and uh, smaller ones like Haseko or Tokyo Tatemono. Um, uh, a few years ago, there was there was quite a lot of interest in the non-bank financials related to uh, housing, um, but I think those have proven to be quite. Uh, quite risky assets, so I, I, I'm not sure if that that um, is still something that people are focusing on at the moment. I see. And REITs specifically, has there been a lot of interest in them in recent years? Yeah, REITs are, are uh, obviously a good way to get into the market, real estate market in Japan, that, that meaning because they provide the, the d- diversity and due diligence and the liquidity. Um, that a single investing in a single stock um, doesn't have. I see. And how have the last few years played out in this aspect? Um, so, in the last few years, um, the the positive stock movement um, uh, and uh, Abenomics. Um, have have really uh, shifted the focus back onto Japan. It's been very welcome for people who've long been frustrated by trying to tell foreign investors that there's value to be had in Japan yeah. and the macroeconomic case, including real estate um, and, and and yield too. I mean, speaking to a lot of uh, fixed income investors and talking about the yield uh, that real estate in Japan provides. Um, but I think there's still that ever-present fear that you know global macro concerns will take hold, the yen will strengthen, and Japan will slump back into the, the doldrums. And then maybe more pessimistically that Abenomics will fail. I mean, I don't think everyone can see that it's had some success, so it wouldn't be an abject failure. But you know, maybe not as successful as everyone had hoped it would be, because um, we've all seen it before, unfortunately. Yeah, especially with their uh, current um, inflation targets that keep being uh, dropped back and pushed back uh, time-wise as well, aren't they? Exactly. Um, Again, these are all things that people who've looked at the market for a long time have seen before. It just uh, seems like to be a cycle of of, uh, um, uh, lowered expectations. And how do you how do you feel? Obviously, you don't have a crystal ball on you, but how do you see the market going in the next few years? Um, particular challenges, opportunities that you've got marked out? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a, it's never an easy thing to uh, to to forecast. But uh, I think particularly now, it's the volatility is is uh, you know it, it, it's really concerning for for a lot of investors. Um, uh, particularly, I mean, I, I, I speak to a lot of asset allocators, and uh, you know, they're very hesitant to to be too bullish in one way or the or the other. Um, 
I think over a five-year time frame, if you stick to value companies, and like I said, those companies that have solid balance sheets with a very good business model or proprietary technology, um, and maybe not exposed to global trade, um, and have a good domestic business, then yeah, Japan has a lot of good companies and a lot of diversity, and um, that's very interesting, I think, for a global investor. Uh, there's a lot of company, listed companies in Japan that provide um, lots of different domestic services. And then, you know, if corporate governance reforms move forward or actually pick up the pace, then that will really provide the icing on the cake. Um, but I think at the moment that the real risk is global markets. Are we headed to, uh, you know, a, a, a global trade war uh, again, a weakening of the U.S. dollar, which will implicitly cause the yen to rise, and that's never good for the Japanese equity market, as, as flawed as that theory is, but that is a reality, and I think so, that that is on the forefront of a lot of investors' minds. So I guess um, insurance-wise, the best policy is probably diversity, isn't it? Different strategies, locations, or industries? Yeah, I mean, diversity is always the most prudent thing for any kind of investing. Um, and uh, But I think right now, probably, as I said, due to the, uh, the worries over a, a global trade war, probably maybe focusing on something domestic uh, that's not reliant on um, the yen dollar, uh, that would probably be the the focus and in the, in the probably for the for the for the latter half of the year. Excellent advice. Thank you for that, Natalie. And thank you very much for your time. Um, as we're wrapping up, it was a pleasure having you with us. Um, folks, as always, we're going to link to the GemChat podcast homepage in our show notes. So feel free to jump in there and subscribe to get your um, regular and valuable insights on Japan's equity market as well as to our podcast, of course, if you haven't done so already. Please also feel free to comment on or share this content with anyone who may find it interesting. And until next time, from all of us here at NTI and GemChat, we wish you happy investing.